Welcome to Smartest History. All right, enough with the echo and fanfare. You're here for history, right? And not that boring crap you learned in high school. This stuff's actually interesting. Like things you've never heard about the Civil War, Cleopatra, automobiles, Monopoly, the Black Plague, and more. Fascinating stories, interesting topics, and some downright weird facts from the past. It's a new twist on some stories you may know, and an interesting look at some things you may have never heard. So, grab a beer, kick back, and enjoy. Here's your host, Smarticus. Welcome back, history enthusiasts, to another captivating episode of Smarticus Tells History. I am your host, Smarticus, joined by my co-host, Phoenix. Hello. Today, we delve into a fascinating and lesser-known aspect of South American history, the ancient art of mummification. For this week's episode, our food item is Peruvian cream and spiced hot chocolate. Peruvian chocolate is some of the best-known chocolate in the world, so this is a great choice. The recipe is from eatperu.com. And it has pictures for those of you who might want to look into it. Yeah. Um, I did have to go buy some things, but most people will probably have a lot of the things, um, especially if you bake a lot um, already in the cabinet or pantry. Exactly. I had to go get, I I didn't have any star anise. I never do because I don't really cook with it ever. So I went to the store and got um, anise anise seed and I had to look up how to properly do that, how to convert from one star anise pod to the seeds. And I think it said it was... A te- half a teaspoon. Teaspoon, right? Not tablespoon. Right. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> no. Yeah, that'd be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be intense. I-, I like it. I think it tastes really good. Have you tried yours yet? No. So, okay. So, yeah. So, before we started, we, we discussed... Um, I didn't put any sugar in mine beforehand because I, I, just, I just didn't. Um, it tells you, too, at the very end of the recipe to sugar um, to taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were curious. I was curious how it tasted beforehand, so... Wow. Did it kick you in the face? <laughs> that is very thick. Yes. And it needs a lot of sugar. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Don't. Uh, yeah. It's almost, it's not, it's not as bad as having like the cocoa powder or cacao powder, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Um, fresh, but it's almost that bad. It's uh, like, intense, like by, sure. by itself. I mean, yeah. There's a bitterness that not fully masked by the creaminess of the milk and the evaporated milk from the can. Yeah. It does um, not go away. You're also supposed to use Peruvian uh, cocoa powder. Yes. Um, Peruvian bitter cocoa powder that the recipe calls for. Yeah. Um, but we did this last minute. Yeah, sorry, um, folks. <laughs> and I have, what kind of, what kind did you get? I got the 85% dark chocolate. Um, from who, though? I can't remember. Okay. No, Lint. It's from Lint. That's who it is. Like the Lint door people, but it's Lint. Okay. What'd you do? Um, I bought a bag. Like a $2 bag or $3 bag. I don't remember how much. Um, uh, the Hershey's 100% cocoa powder. Hmm. That's what I bought. That's brave. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you just saw it or not, but I just added those two other things of sugar in there because it was not enough sugar. <laughs> so I feel that like this is, would wake you up in the morning, though. 
yeah, that is now five total packets of sugar in my cup of hot chocolate because it was not, it was still pretty bitter. I was going to beat you up. But yeah, I mean, I feel like this would be really nice for the holidays or really just a morning drink instead of having coffee, you have this. Although it has instant coffee in it, but not much. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, so that was the other thing. So I'm not really a hot cocoa person uh, myself, really. It's good. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, I think it needs more flavor. Mm. Mine doesn't seem to have much flavor. I seem I think... the cocoa powder tastes more than overpowers it. I think, and because you, you put a lot of cocoa powder in it, um, you put three tablespoons in the overall mixture. I actually, yeah, I added a bit more of the because I had the chocolate bar, and I just melted okay. that down into it. But I added quite a bit more chocolate than it suggested because I just, if I'm gonna have hot chocolate, I want it to be chocolate, chocolate. Right. So okay. So but and your chocolate should have already had sugar in it. Um, it doesn't. Um, it had no sugar in it. No. Okay. Okay, well, I, I don't know where I was going to go with that. Um, <laughs> but I used the powder, and I used three tablespoons of powder because that's what the recipe called for. Right. Um, so I was going to read through, uh, read through the ingredients here real quick. Um, so it says one cinnamon stick, uh, two cloves, one orange peel dried, one star anise, or anise, however you want to say it, one pinch nutmeg. So I didn't know what classified as a pinch. I oh. just took my fingers, and I just... Huh? Yeah, I mean, I pinched it, but, like, how much do you put in that pinch? Like, you can vary a pinch. Yeah. So, um, I put, like, two tiny pinches in. <laughs> so, I didn't know, like, exactly. And then, um, okay, so it's got one pinch nutmeg, half a cup of water, uh, two cups prepared whole milk, half a cup of evaporated milk. And so I had to go get the evaporated milk because I didn't have that. Um, I had to get... Oh, yeah, I substituted the star anise um, with fennel seeds because um, that's that's what Google told me to use. They said <laughs> substitute star anise with fennel seeds, so I said okay. Um, and then I did actually have I so I okay so I didn't have a cinnamon stick. I had cin- ground cinnamon, mm-hmm. so I used I did that instead of the cinnamon stick. And I didn't have cloves, but I did have ground cloves. Oh my! Um, so I used ground so you cloves. You didn't take instead. any of it out. So I didn't take any of the cloves itself out. That could be why mine tastes so bitter. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh but my! It, only, it was only like a little bit. Right. Well, and um, the, the cinnamon will definitely add more sweetness to it. But at the same time, if you've got it sitting in that in your drink, right. it's, it'll be intense. Right. And, and and I will admit, Google did say. Sometimes you do want the cloves and not the ground cloves. Exactly. And I'm assuming that this is probably one of the reasons because throughout the recipe, as you're reading it, you're supposed to strain the anise and the cloves and the, um, cinnamon and the stick. stick and the because and the picture. Okay, so it doesn't tell you in the instructions either. We just talked about this. <laughs> yes. um, it does not tell you to put the orange peel in there, but the picture clearly shows the orange peel in yeah. there. I did not, for whatever reason, did not look at the picture, <laughs> and I just I just read the instructions and did not put the orange in there. So, yeah, honestly, um, I think I think it could definitely be improved a bit if you were to put some um, of the orange zest 
into I, the So I almost just did that. Really? I almost did the zest, yeah. Um, instead of putting the peel in there. I almost just put the zest in there. Um, and, uh, but I didn't. Um, so I didn't, I have no orange in mine. Um, and I was also just thinking, um, I wonder how, how it would have tasted if I put, uh, like vanilla extract in it. Um, Ooh, that would have been nice. And, uh, yeah, to go with the cinnamon and the, and the chocolate. Yeah. Um, but so that was, that was our recipe. And so it's Peruvian creamy and this, the recipe on the page says Peruvian creamy and spicy hot chocolate. And easy to make, flavorful, natural, sweet, hot drink with a hint yeah. of spice. Um, prep time was five minutes. That's a lie. It took me like ten minutes to prep it. Yeah. Well, because uh, you know you're making that that what was the they called it the infusion with the water and the right. spices. That takes a bit of time to get it heated well, up, it, and they told you to like it. They it told says you ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And that says cook time. So I had to put. I ended up having to put more water in mine. Oh really? Because. You steamed it out, didn't you? Because yeah, because I well, for one, I forgot to I forgot to half cover it because I told you to half cover it. But by the time I was done straining it, like it was like there was almost nothing there. So it's um, gonna be intense. Yeah, so I put more water in there <laughs> oh um, to, to thin it back out. Um, that's funny. And it says okay, yeah, and it says a cook time of fifteen minutes. That's probably relatively close. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me. May, I mean, overall, from start to finish, and you make uh, three cups roughly mm-hmm. um, of it because you put two cups hot milk, uh, not hot milk. Well, I guess it is hot milk when you after you heat it up. Um, you put two two cups of poured milk in there, uh, whole and milk, half I mean, a cup. and then half a cup of the evaporated milk, and then half a cup of the water. So it should be roughly three cups worth. Um, and. Yeah, it took me from start to finish maybe 30 minutes, 35 maybe at the most. Um, <laughs> next time, it'll be faster. Next time, it'll be faster, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the longest part for me, I think, besides the cooking it in the uh, for the 10 minutes in the, in the pot, um, was just gathering the ingredients. I had to make sure I had everything and blah, blah, blah. Right. So... Um, but yeah, so we chose this recipe because it's based in Peru, and our episode for today is in. Oh, it's not specifically just in Peru; it's also in Chile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are actually the only two places that it mentioned, wouldn't it? I think so. Um, yeah, but in South America, so it's probably several places, but in Chile and Peru were the two that um, that the episode called out. Yeah. So when we think of mummies, our minds often conjure images of ancient Egypt. However, the practice of mummification was not exclusive to the sands of the Nile. South Americans also practiced this complex and mysterious art, creating mummies of their own long before the arrival of the Europeans. In this episode, we will explore the origins and methods of South American mummification, shedding light on the cultures and beliefs that led to the preservation of their deceased. Join us as we journey back in time to uncover the secrets of these ancient civilizations. Mummification was a sacred and revered ritual in several South American cultures, with roots dating back thousands of years. Unlike the dry deserts of Egypt, South American mummies were preserved in a variety of climates and landscapes, ranging from the high-altitude Andean mountains to the lush forests of the Amazon basin. 
Our journey starts with the Chinchero culture, an ancient civilization that lived along the coasts of present-day Chile and Peru around 1500 BCE. They were pioneers in the art of mummification, predating the Egyptian mummies by thousands of years. The Chinchero people mummified their dead using a complex process that involved removing internal organs, drying the body, and meticulously reconstructing it with sticks and clay before covering it with a layer of clay and painting it with a red pigment. To these ancient South American societies, mummification was not merely a method of preserving the deceased. It was deeply intertwined with their religious and spiritual beliefs. The rituals surrounding mummification varied across cultures, but were consistently guided by a belief in the afterlife. So not only did they predate the Egyptians by thousands of years um, as part of the mummification process, they also did it vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, because They would have to because they didn't have the same kind of setup. It was, and like they said, it was a different environment too. Um, whereas I guess, well, like in the Egyptian mummies, um, I guess they didn't have access to a lot of clay and stuff. Um, but they did have the access to, well, that's not true because they made all kinds of pottery and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I wonder why they didn't use, clay, I guess just different areas. Just I don't know, because they know. wrapped it in linen instead of... Yeah. And they waited for him to decompose to a certain extent. And I, yeah, and I was just going to say that uh, here the Chinchoro people, they um, they dried the body, um, whereas the mummies, um, they drained it of fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know was if it that's... Ins- insanguinate? Uh, yeah. I think that's the right word. Yeah. Um, and then, now they might... The Chinchoro people, they may have done that too. It doesn't say. It just says that they dried the body. Um, to me, drying the body, well, you would have to drain it of fluids. Mm. Um, so, but it's it's funny that they also removed the internal internal organs. Um, well, you know they've found evidence to suggest that... Aliens. Was, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Aliens. I have uh, to be careful for it too. Aliens. I mean, that's why we have pyramids everywhere. It's because aliens put them there. <laughs> Aliens taught them the mummification process. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yes. So, I mean, obviously they would teach them, you need to remove the organs because they're just, you don't need them no more. Right. Yeah. You're going to be dead. You don't need to breathe. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) There's no air in the underworld. Right. Um, But I just thought that was fascinating that they, they're similar uh, processes, but also vastly different. Right. Um. And I mean, I guess that's the difference between, I mean, you know, however many miles apart that, you know, the two continents are. Well, back then, I don't, you know, they were probably, they were closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, um, you know, it's not, you know, Pangea at the time. No, uh, right. It's, uh, you know, they were still, you know, large oceans, you know, whatever separating them. So they reconstructed them with sticks, too. I don't understand why they would reconstruct them with sticks. To fill the body clay. out. I, I guess that would have to be why, yeah, instead of because they dried the body out and then they would reconstruct them with sticks and clay. Yeah. To make it more look like a body, I guess, when they Right. Covered it in clay, I guess. Uh with a or I guess it's a different layer of clay. I wonder if it's like a different type of clay that they would use for like the outer layer. Dunno. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say. It's just things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> All right. In the Andean civilization, particularly the Inca Empire, mummies were revered as the living dead. 
the Incas believed that the mummies played a vital role in ensuring the well-being and prosperity of the living. The bodies of the Inca rulers, known as the Malquis, were embalmed and placed in sacred shrines where they were attended to by priestesses and priests. The Nazca civilization, famous for its enigmatic geoglyphs, also practiced mummification. However, their approach to this ancient art differed significantly from their contemporaries. However, their approach to this ancient art differed significantly from their contemporaries. The Nazca people created trophy heads where they decapitated their enemies and skillfully preserved their heads as a symbol of victory and power. Kind of like it reminds me of those shrunken, the shrunken heads, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, who did that? Uh, it was wasn't that like people? What was that? Was that also South Americans that did the shrunken heads, or is that? I want to say it was Africans that did that. I want to say Africans. it was Africans too, but I don't remember. I think it was South Africans that did that. I can't remember. Hmm. Of course, all now I can think of were the shrunken heads on the, uh, on the night bus, <laughs> uh, from Harry Potter. <laughs> with a with a Jamaican yeah. accent. <laughs> sit down, man. Yes, yeah, sit down, man. Additionally, in recent times, the discovery of elongated skulls in Paracas, Peru, has sparked intense debates among historians and archaeologists. Some believe that these elongated skulls could be a result of intentional cranial deformation, while others suggest a connection to an extraterrestrial influence. I knew it! <laughs> Aliens. I knew it. The Mochi civilization, a pre-Incan society that thrived in northern Peru, between the 1st and 8th centuries AD, left behind a wealth of knowledge about their mummification practices through their elaborate funerary rituals. Over the years, the Mochi tombs have revealed stunning artifacts, including pottery, textiles, and precious metals, giving us insight into the beliefs and customs of these ancient people. The one artifact that gave the most knowledge, however, was a palace 3D-like model depicting one of these funerary rituals. It was discovered in 1995 by Peruvian archaeologists around roughly eight miles near Chan Chan, Peru. The team that made the discovery also claimed that the site appeared to have been ransacked by looters probably a few centuries before. Probably conquistadors. The item, uh, the item itself showed a Chan Chan courtyard with figures sewn into the cloth base. The model contained musicians, courtiers, and hunchbacks. Two large females shown in the back of the model with one larger male nearby were carved in wood and a shell mosaic. The mummies giants. depicted, yeah, giants. The mummies depicted were wrapped in some kind of tan cloth and gold face paintings, possibly indicating a gold funerary mask of some sort. Unfortunately, the mochi left no written records and much about their civilization is still unknown, though we are learning a lot thanks to radiocarbon dating and other advancements in technology. Another unfortunate event was the arrival of the Spanish conquistadors, who were familiar with the mochi and many South American cultures' uses of gold. They diverted the Rio Mochi River in an effort to break down the Huaca del Sol, one of the pyramids built by the mochi, so that they could loot the mochi tombs within. With their arrival on the continent, many ancient traditions, such as mummification, were suppressed and replaced by foreign religious practices. Despite this upheaval, pockets of mummification persisted, particularly among remote indigenous communities that maintained their ancestral customs and beliefs. And there you have it, dear listeners, the captivating tale of South American mummification. These ancient civilizations left behind a legacy of fascinating rituals, intricate beliefs, and extraordinary artistry. The practice of mummification in South America reveals the profound connection these cultures had with the mysteries of life, death, and the afterlife. Join us in the next episode as we embark on another thrilling adventure through the annals of history. 
Until then, keep exploring and never stop seeking knowledge. This is Smarticus Tells History, and we are signing off. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Smarticus Tells History. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review and make sure to subscribe. And be sure to follow the show at facebook.com slash History, or just click the link in the show description. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.